those are, I guess, probably three big issues that kind of drove me uh, into uh, uh, jumping in in, uh, in in 2018, also uh, back in 2016. So that's kind of a continuation of the uh, of the first race. And so I have two questions for you. Uh, I know. So those are those are your your platforms. What do you? Uh, attend, what is it that you want to accomplish? And how can you tie that, being a conservative with people of color? So we can talk about abortion because you know, we were having that that on our little uh, tweet chat. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Well, well this is it. This is it. Uh, um, and uh, I, I think being in politics for literally since, my, since I was born, I think that I understand politics in a different way than most people. Most people, we see politics as a spectator sport. Uh, we kind of get caught up uh, that when this stuff comes up on our televisions and things like that. But Jesse Jackson they actually gave a speech back in 1980. Uh, he was invited to the Republican National Committee to address the, the Republican National Committee back in 1980, which was literally it's probably the only black person in the room, <laughs> literally. Uh, but he gets up there and he says, well, black people, and I'm, I'm sure all the white people kind of looked around and said, who is he talking to? But he said, black, black people need to develop a strategy uh, where uh, one party doesn't take you for granted and the other one doesn't write you off. And basically his, the, the thrust of his argument was that we can't have all of our eggs in one basket. It's one of the things my mom used to say. You can't have all your eggs in one basket. And in politics, that's very true because when you walk away from the table, you cut yourself out of the deal. I found that all very early on in politics. I would go to a meeting, and I would always find out that there was an after meeting. And so you, you, if, if you wanted to be in the deal, you had to be at the after meeting. So you better know where the after meeting was. And I would find myself at the VIP uh, a, a diner uh, after the meeting, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It's just getting later and later, and people would start to yawn. They want to go home. They have other things to do. And they would get up, and they would depart the table. And as soon as they depart the table, a funny political things started to happen when everybody would talk about them and then they would renegotiate the deal. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you, you, you thought that you had something, but then you wake up the next day and you find out, well, no, no, no. After you left, we changed our mind. <laughs> so, so always be the last one to lead the table of politics. <laughs> so I want to ask you, being, you know, someone that's African-American and, and conservative, and, sure. uh, you know, Conservative is, uh, to me, resistant to change. How do you see uh, being a conservative and reaching out to other African-Americans to try to, you're going to give them a whole different point of view, but to kind of lull them into the party or? Well, actually, that's the funny thing is that I, I don't think that we are as far away from conservatism as we think that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 especially folks that are going to church, uh, 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 the old timers and things like that, even some of our younger people. Uh, I, um, uh, conservatism basically means, uh, political conservatism, basically it just says, okay, we have a constitution. We have a constitution. We have a rule of law. If you want to change the way you want to do something, that means you have to change that document. You just can't make things up. I mean, it, it really kind of makes sense because uh, if the rules can change and the meanings of the word can change without you knowing, it's kind of like walking away from that table. Suddenly the, the, the deal gets renegotiated and you no longer have a place to come back to. Uh, and that's, that, that's like the, that, that kind of political conservatism kind of idea. Uh, which is why you always find uh, Scalia talking about, well, does the Constitution say this? <laughs> and, and, and this whole kind of thing. Uh, you want to have a rule book that you can always go back to. Uh, you find this in many, many kind of situations. Um, I, in fact, I was uh, when you're a political challenger, you find this all the time. Um, uh, I just just last year, I was in the uh, school board race, and. Uh, Basically, what happens is, is I mean, like uh, we uh, we uh, uh, we're, we're given uh, what uh, just like questionnaires that we were supposed to fill out and all this kind of stuff. And the thing was, was that I guess like everybody, I guess, received the questionnaire. I didn't receive a questionnaire, but they just said that they had uh, given me a questionnaire. And then they had some rule about how if you didn't return this this form with questionnaire, then uh, then suddenly you were out of the race. Suddenly, I find out that I'm out of the race for a form that I never received. And uh, they were, uh, the rules are the rules. <laughs> well, 
they kind of they they they, they kind of got a little uh, <laughs> a loop in terms of how they interpret it. But if everybody is following the same rules, then it's it's harder to kind of uh, cheat people out. Right, but when it comes to politics, we're not all following the same rules. Ah, uh, to some extent we are. Um, to some extent we are, and to some extent we're not. And I, I think what we want is we want to have more consistency. You don't want to have a cop sitting on the side of the road who sees everybody's doing by at 70 miles an hour, but only decides that, that he's going to take the black people with it. when they're going faster than 70 miles an hour, then, uh, then uh, suddenly uh, now, now it's the law. I mean, like, like you want everybody to be on the same rules. Uh, and, and sometimes that, that, that doesn't happen. And uh, we need to push for... If you have a basic idea where everybody believes that, then it's easier to get there rather than everybody kind of making up their own, I guess, their own interpretation of it. Right, but as uh, I mean, as a nation, we know, especially with uh, you know, with black men being pulled over all the time, uh, oh, yeah, they're harassed or you know they're killed or sure, sure, you know, sure. You know, it's very, um, it's so tragic, tragic, and it doesn't seem like, the, to me, the country doesn't seem like it's moving forward fast enough because we still have that kind of thing to deal with. You know, as a, you know, as someone running for office, you know, what is your, is that part of your your platform? You oh, know, it, definitely it definitely is. It definitely is. In fact, uh, just back in December, we had a uh, a, uh, a son of immigrants uh, who is an accountant. He's an accountant. Somehow he was involved in a hit and run. They're still trying to figure out exactly what exactly was involved in a hit and run. But for some strange reason, rapid police response. Um, uh, uh, the, the police responded within 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> a hit and run on the parkway. Uh, but they uh, but, but but they found the the vehicle that appeared that it was disabled. Uh, when you're in law enforcement, you see a disabled vehicle. Uh, okay, I'm like maybe you're suspicious. This whole kind of thing, the car starts to roll forward. Uh, the first response should not be pull out your weapon and start shooting, but this is what they did. Uh, fired multiple shots into this young kid with no gun or anything like that. Now he's dead, and now the, the family can't get the uh, the nine one one transcript and this whole kind of thing. And uh, it, it's very, very tragic, especially in this district. This is the most reliable Democrat liberal district in the South. This is the town that delivered uh, uh, Virginia to Hillary Clinton. Uh, but our liberal congressman, uh, uh, basically his, his idea of reacting to that is basically what Martin Luther King used to call the, uh, what is it? Um, uh, oh, man. Uh, 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 it's, it, 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 I guess more, I guess like, like just saying the right things but not doing the right thing. Uh, tweeting is not going to solve a problem, but, you know, he'll do a tweet. He'll, uh, he'll do a, uh, a, a, a press release or something like that. Uh, since this thing has started, I've been trying to negotiate with the police, see what we can do with the family, just to, to, to get them more answers in terms of what happened. But also, I, I, since I've been involved in politics, I've always engaged with the police trying to, Find some way that uh, we can uh, prevent these kind of situations from going on. And one of the problems is, is that uh, one, yes, sure, people that have prejudices. I don't care where you are. You could be in Orange County, you could be in New York City, you could be in Arlington, Virginia. You're going to have a prejudice. But the thing is, is that if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, if you don't know what right looks like, then it's easier to make those mistakes. Uh, Arlington, Virginia, uh, we had one murder in the entire year of 2016. Uh, these guys, they don't know what it means to be under fire. They don't know what it means when people fight. They don't know danger. Suddenly they see something that looks wrong. Okay, I'm, I'm going to overreact. We have a wall. We have a wall with seven officers that were slain since 1935 that are sitting in front of the courthouse, and I'm looking at the seven on that wall, and I'm saying those officers shouldn't be dead. Two guys died in a burglary. If you are local police, you don't even go near the guys that are shooting. That's the FBI's jurisdiction. These guys shouldn't have been there. One guy fell off a motorcycle going to a fire. I still don't know what was going on there. Uh, All of these deaths because people didn't know what they were doing. I was arrested in an abortion mill uh, back in December. And guys who didn't know what it means, uh, what Miranda rights mean. 
<laughs> I mean, you get that on television. Uh, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, it's harder to do the right thing. That's absolutely true. I agree with you that 100%. And, too, it takes people, uh, you have to want to do the right thing. You oh, you do. You, you know, you have to study your history. Uh, yeah. You know, because what they say, if you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Uh, the, the other question I had for you um, was uh, you were giving me some facts about oh, yes. uh, abortion. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Tell us about that because and how it relates to the black community. Oh, well, well, this is it. Um, it, it, it. It's really, really kind of interesting. I mean, like, like when you look at all the figures and all this kind of stuff, the most interesting thing is that most of the people getting abortions are white. 39% of your abortions are white. Uh, so it is really a white problem uh, in terms of that number. Uh, in terms of uh, economics, 75% are below the poverty line. It's a poor issue. Uh, but in terms of blacks, it affects the black community in, in, in two instances. One, because uh, despite being a low proportion, about uh, 28% of the abortions, uh, we tend to do it more than everybody else. Uh, in New York City, there are more black babies being killed in abortion than are being born. In America, there are more babies aborted each year, about a quarter million, than gun violence, cancer, AIDS, all the top five things that kill us on the back end, being killed in abortion. Uh, if you've got more people going out in the front end than you have, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a problem. But recently we ran into a problem in terms of the, uh, the, the, the census, and we're still trying to get an answer on it. Uh, back in March, uh, the, uh, the, the census had figures that said that the, uh, the African-American population in 2010 had declined to 9.7% of the U.S. population. We've always been like at least 13%, but suddenly this figure was saying that we were 9%. And the, uh, the, the prior figure in, in 2000 was saying that we were like 12.1%. Again, that's less than we were supposed to be. And uh, now uh, the, the census has come up with, I guess, like uh, suddenly we've rebounded to 13%. And so the question is, did we have a bad number before? What exactly was going on? Uh, you, you should you should have a good count on how many black people are in America. Mhm. Mhm. And what? So we know when it comes to when it comes to abortion and women's rights, and uh, we, now we have young people getting into the mix with what's important to them, and you know how it affects the com- the uh, the country. What do you think the solution is? Because we have a lot of children that are born and they are not wanted. That's very true. That's very true. Well, one thing is that uh, this was one of the things that uh, uh, in part caused uh, – I think have a lot of causes. But in terms of, I guess, like when you, when you draw a correlation between the breakdown of the black family and the introduction of the great society, they kind of go along at the same time. Uh, uh, back in the uh, uh, 1970s and uh, – uh, when you looked at uh, the Jeffersons and when you looked at good times, they both had a mom and a papa, and that reflected pretty much America. 73% of us had a mom and a papa. Today, 23%. Well, this is what happens when you lose families. Um, I know a lot about history, not because I went to uh, – yes, I went to school and I learned history, but I learned history from talking to my dad. My dad's dad, he was born – just after slavery, his dad was born in slavery, and so we had those stories that were being passed on in a family, and uh, and, and and that helped us to kind of you know kind of, kind of come back and kind of pass information on. For years, for years, preachers had a preacher, uh, uh, literally a preacher mafia. Uh, uh, this is why preachers' kids went to college. Uh, what what happened is, is that a preacher would sit there and call up the president of Virginia Union and say, "Hey, I got a son that wants to go to college," and suddenly he was at Hampton University. <laughs> That was just the way that it was. Um, right. I, I remember the day that Martin Luther King's uh, mother got shot in Ebenezer Baptist Church. We knew within a half hour that it happened in our church uh, because the preacher hotline was going. My dad died in, goodness gracious, 1999. And just talking about like the, the remnants of this, this kind of preacher hotline, I call up Bill Gray, his son in the ministry. He's down in D.C. I'm in Philadelphia. 
I call him up and say, hey, you know, my dad has died and we want you to do the eulogy. And he's sitting there and he's sitting Now, I, I found out like an hour after my dad died. I figured I was like one of the first people. He says to me, I was waiting for you to call. But when you break down families, when you break down churches, when you break down those institutions that we have that kind of keep us together, we can't move forward. And a lot of those things are disappearing. I was in Harlem just two weeks ago, and I was surprised to find out that black churches almost are non-existent in Harlem because people aren't going, and now European tourists are filling the seats. How did that happen? How did that happen? I, I, I understand, you know, people don't like faith. They don't like religion and all this kind of stuff. But these were the things that we had. It was kind of like back in the day we used to say, you got to own a home because owning a home is, a, is an important thing. It's, it's an asset. It's something that you can use. It's something that you can borrow on. Uh, you got to get a trade because this way, if everything else goes wrong, you can still use your hands and do this thing to make money. Uh, but we don't have one uh, uh, that, that mindset, but also old people to, to, to tell us how it used to be. Uh, even in the African tradition, when you read roots, the whole thing begins, you know, trying to get this drum because in the African tradition, it was a Goliath who would sit around, he would beat the drum and he would tell the stories about how things used to be, but we don't have that. And so now we don't know our history. We don't know things that happened. And the thing is uh, now too, they're not teaching it in school. They're not, they're not, or they're teaching it wrong. And yeah. that's even more struggling. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, the African American History Museum, in many, many ways, I think it's wonderful that we have a museum and all that kind of thing. But uh, this is the problem with the African American Museum, is that I went to the Holocaust Museum when it first opened, and at first it kind of perplexed me, because I, I'm a kind of guy, I go into a museum and I literally read everything. I will be in a, in a museum, a little tiny museum, for like seven hours, Right. It's closing uh, because I'm reading literally everything. And I was upset when I left the museum. And it was, uh, yeah, it was the Holocaust. It was really affecting me. I was like, no, everything is fake. It's all replicas. <laughs> it's all replicas. Why do you have replicas? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, uh, but, but, but I, I, I understood more when I went to the African American History Museum. We have 325,000 original artifacts in one building. Yeah. Our history, all of it, is Nat Turner's Bible. Emmett Till's coffin all of this is in one building well what happens if one day God forbid that building burns down all of our history is now gone but even worse than that we are not in control of it the Smithsonian is in control of it they decide how it is laid out and when you go to that museum what is the first thing that you see you see Barry Gordy's car you see Afro's you see the Motown uh, the, 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 the Soul Train sign you see, all of those stereotypes that we're trying to get rid of, this is the history. In order to get to the history in that museum, you have to go downstairs. You have to decide not to go to the bathroom, decide not to go to the cafeteria, and then go down this little kind of cat corner that looks like it's, a, it looks like it's like an auditorium that you wouldn't want to go in, and then go around another corner to go down a, an elevator to go down three floors to work your way up. And even there... It's dark, it's a sub-basement, and there's a lot of things that you're going to miss. Just by accident, literally just by accident, I run into Nat Turner's Bible my first time there, and I'm like, wow, they've got Nat Turner's Bible. Hmm. And I mean, I, 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 being in faith, you know, this, this is like, like important. I mean, I wonder, well, what page do they have it open to? What about the whole thing? And it's set back in glass too far. You can't even read the pages on, on the thing. And I'm like, well, that's just kind of weird. Well, let me find out where it came from. They, they must have a plaque to say where it came from. And sure enough, there is a plaque. Do you know where Nat Turner's Bible came from? It no. came from the family that owned him. The family that owned him gave that Bible over. Uh, and I was like, what? You held on to Nat Turner's Bible for like 200 years? You, you didn't think that, 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 that his family might work? <laughs> that just perplexed me. But at the same time that they acquired the Bible, the Smithsonian also acquired his head. When Nat Turner was captured, finally, the doctor, the, 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 the official story is, is that the doctor that cared for him after he was dead, I don't know of any doctor that cares for you after you're dead, but somehow he, he, he acquired the head. <laughs> I'm thinking then he cut off the head because uh, he kept it in his family as an heirloom. 
When he came on hard times, he gave it to another family, and they kept it in their family as an heirloom. Finally, somebody felt a little bit of guilt and said, let's find the family. And so they ended up giving this to the, uh, to the mayor of uh, Gary, Indiana, to help his, so that he might be able to find a family. And he looked around, and uh, it ends up in the Smithsonian because uh, they want to make sure that this head that somebody had been keeping for like 200 years is actually his head. That's just strange. <laughs> it, 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 it's troubling. It's troubling. Now, Anthony, I totally missed that in the museum. Oh, oh yeah, I, look, look. I, yes, it, 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 it's pictures. Yeah, <laughs> the, pictures, the pictures of his Bible. The, the one thing I do appreciate the museum, and you know, I I pray that it that it stays uh, safe and sound. Is and you. I mean, just there for like five hours in one day is really not a lot of time because you're going through, I mean, the amount of time about slavery and walking through that with young children and, you know, it's it's very very powerful. But even when you're there, I mean, like uh, 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 beyond the layout, uh, when you look at the displays and how the Smithsonian portrays, African-Americans and, and, and kind of give their own spin. Uh, now they have the Emmett Till uh, Memorial. Uh, and uh, when you're going down on the elevator, they say, well, the family has, uh, has, uh, has decided this is a sacred place, so you cannot take any uh, uh, photography in the actual memorial. Right. And if you, but, but the problem is that if you know the story of the coffin, you sit there and you say, well, that's just kind of a ridiculous rule. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Because in 2005, they had to dig up Emmett Till uh, because they were finally going to do the uh, the trial all over again. And what happened was, was that in Mississippi, they have a rule that you can't reuse a coffin. So they just took the coffin and threw it in the shed. The shed sat, it, it, it sat in the shed for years. Nobody cared about it. No, Nobody cared about it. But now, <laughs> but now, but now, magically, now, now it's it, 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 it's become, I guess, like uh, this this kind of thing. It's kind of like, I mean, like, does something just suddenly become sacred when it goes to the? It's it, 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 it's just kind of strange the way that we kind of tell these kind of stories. Um, it's it, it's really really weird. But the problem, oh yeah, but but I mean like. The problem is, is that when somebody else is telling your story, it's always going to be their story. Uh, history, we always used to say, is, is his story. Uh, and if it's going to be his story, let it be our story. Let it be the museum that we created, the, the, the one that, 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 that we own the stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I just give thanks that it's there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I give thanks that it's there. Uh, and because people all around the world, and like you say, we all have a story to tell. And right. of course, yeah, you know, they they have their own story and what it's it's what happened, and what you think happened, or what seemed to have happened, but the actual truth is, I forget the whole. <laughs> I forget the well, whole. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, it's just a wonderful. This is a story I learned from Benny Mays. Benny Mays was uh, was was Dr. King's uh, mentor at uh, Morehouse College, President of Morehouse College, the whole thing. Uh, he stayed at our house maybe about two years before he died, and uh, uh, literally, I was like I was up like like three o'clock in the morning. My my, my parents were, like dragging me in, and he told me the story of Kumbaya. Uh, and if you go on the internet even now, uh, uh, you're gonna get a whole bunch of stories of what this song Kumbaya is all about. And uh, one of the, one of the big things is well, it's Angolan, and it means this. And I mean, I mean. I don't know where they made this stuff up. <laughs> Literally, I, I don't know. Uh, Benny Mays, I'm not Benny Mays, basically born out of slavery. I, he's like, well, 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 this is the story of Kumbaya. Well, what happened is, is that uh, when somebody was going to leave the plantation, run away, the slaves would get together and they'd start singing Kumbaya. Because what would happen is the overseer would see the noise, see the disturbance, see the guys. He'd want to do his little white man dance or whatever he wanted to do. He would come over to see what was going on. So this way, the black guy who was going to, or the black girl who was going to run away, could go out the other way. Uh, that's that's the story of Kumbaya. They're, they're basically telling the, the, the overseer that they're, they're, they're kind of playing on his his his, his ignorance uh, to to come over and distract them. 
that, that's the story of Kumbaya. Interesting. Michael, it has been yeah. a pleasure having you on. We need some more time. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I have a show at 7.30, but I'll have to have you on um, so we so we can continue the discussion. But uh, give everyone your contact information. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, I am uh, on, on Twitter at Mike Webb uh, now, uh, at Mike Webb now, and my website is uh, majormikeweb.info. Okay, majormikeweb.info. Okay, that's great. Now, and let me just double-check if we have a few more minutes or not. Uh, sure. Tammy Sorrento, are you on the line? I am on the line. Okay, I see. I see Jacksonville, Florida out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Oh, good to see Pretty you. Good. Oh, well, here you. <laughs> yeah. I got on the line and I said someone else is talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Well, thank you, thank you, uh, Michael. And uh, as thank I mentioned you. before, the show started. Talk she was live and recorded, and yes. uh, it'll upload by uh, about eight fifteen. And uh, we shall chat later. So thanks again for doing the show. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Take care, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so Tammy Sorrento, welcome to the Stroke Show. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm glad to have you on because you are also doing something very interesting. And, of course, I'm going to let you tell us all about it. But you're an entrepreneur. Where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Well, it's actually in my family, my father, my father's family. We all have the bug, let's say. So let's put it that way. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And what was it when you were younger, as, as as a little toddler, young person, did you say, because your your family is, is in it, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, and how I'm going to save the world? Not a bit. As a matter of fact, when I was young, I just knew that I wanted to be in business. Ah. I loved the office setting. And then when I was an adult, I became a single mom of two girls. So being an entrepreneur was not in the cards at the time. Mm -hmm. But now that I am an empty nester and I have four grandchildren, I've decided I came up with what I think is a good idea because of something I wanted to be available, so I created it. And I really am living my passion. That is what life is all about, living your passion. <laughs> living your passion, as I was talking to my, my previous guest, giving service. So tell us about Fireball Approves. Thank you so much. What it is is a online verification service. So what prompted me to start this business is last year, and I always try to make lemonade out of lemons. So um, it came full circle for me. I tried to find a vacation rental for my extended family, my siblings and I, and our children and grandchildren. We all like, like to get, a get, get together, and in doing so, it's cost prohibitive for us all to get hotel rooms. So we started using the home sharing, like the Airbnbs and the VRBOs. Mm -hmm. Um, When we decided what we wanted to do, it was kind of a tight schedule. So uh, knowing I'm an insurance, I'm an insurance professional, so I know the red flags. Um, I found a rental in Key West, and I did all of my research that I could on my own as far as public records. So the house that was for rent um, for a vacation, uh, the only thing I couldn't link together was whether or not the person I was corresponding with by text and by email was the actual owner of the property. Well, fast forward, I did not um, get scammed, but it was a dishonest person trying to steal our money. And just then, the light went off. And it was, why Why is this happening? Why is it so prevalent? 
And the research that I did was just amazing. So what I did was I went and figured out the tools that's needed to complete what I do. So what I do is I verify if anyone, and it doesn't matter if it's a vacation rental or a long-term rental, any kind of rental, we make sure that the, that our customer is dealing with the owner, and we also confirm the email and the phone number. And, you know, no one else is doing this. And it is really, I mean, there are so many scams. I mean, it, it's, I don't know how people are just coming up with just new stuff like 24-7. There's always, yes. you know, someone, typically like a little elderly person, you know, they've lost their money or it's just, I mean, it's really crazy. But how yes. do you, how do you verify? What are your steps to verification? Well, what we do is some states you don't have public records like California. So okay. that's where tools that I use comes in handy. And we actually had an inquiry. Someone wanted to rent a home in California. We used our tools. We contacted the actual homeowner, and they said, we're not renting our house. We are living here. Wow. So someone had put a fake ad on the Internet and was hoping to get money. But you know what? Not on my watch. Right. Right, and that what are what are the signs? Like, what are the clues that uh, there, there's if, so many clues? Um, that would be really bad misspelling in the listing. Um, they will also take photographs of the actual home because they'll find the listing on uh, like Renter.com or you know anywhere that it's being advertised legitimately. They'll steal the photos and they'll make up their own listing. And it's usually a story of, and, and this is funny because I just came across this myself, looking for a rental for a family member. Mm-hmm. And I had contacted someone and they said, you know, this is the address. I said, okay, I'm going to go buy it. And they said, yeah, we're not using a property manager anymore because they're so greedy and we're in Texas, and the rental was in St. Augustine, and just gave me this long line of, you know, I was in a car accident and this and that. Well, when we went by the house, the property manager sign was still out front. So we called the property manager, and they said, yep, we know about that listing. We don't know how how to stop them from doing that. So my product is so crucial, especially when you're looking from out of town. Right. Because we had the ability to go drive and go see. But what about when you're wanting to move or vacation somewhere, you know, that you can't just drive by? That is where we come in. We also do car um, vehicles. We make sure that if someone is buying a vehicle from a private owner, and it doesn't matter the type of vehicle. It could be a boat, a motorcycle, an RV. We've been getting a lot of interest with RV um, sellers that we will make sure that that vehicle had not been stolen and, once again, that they're dealing with the actual owner if it's a private party sale. So our slogan is don't send money to someone you don't know without checking fireball approved. I think that's a great slogan, and I love your your uh, your your logo with the big, <laughs> the big fire symbol. But let's say for people that you know, for people that don't have a, a Tammy Sorrento, what should we like? What's our best course of action if we decide well, I, we're going to try and do this on our own? Well, I tell you, we are in all fifty states. Okay. Yes. So anywhere in the U.S., and we're looking to expand to Canada and Mexico, and then hopefully, um, if this goes off right, we'll be global. But there are signs, and oftentimes our inquiries, of course, they're free now. All of our services are free until June 1st, and that's why I'm so glad you had me on the radio because I've been really trying to just um, let everyone know that we're available uh, we don't have any direct competition because no one else is doing what we're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we also check license and insurance for businesses. And there's a couple other areas we're also going to get into. So I know that the name Fireball Approved doesn't really tell you what I do, but mm-hmm. I did that purpose because I'm finding more and more areas. Another area I'd like to get into is I was reading on Reddit where people are getting scammed and getting their identity stolen when they apply for jobs, like virtual jobs. So I haven't come up with a solution for that, but stay tuned, I will. (laughs) I'm sure that you will. (laughs) And that's the thing. I mean, your your you know your your house can be seen anywhere you know I go on Google and you know leads you right to my house <laughs> exactly but the question is is that listing the actual listing from the owner or not and that's what we keep people that's how we keep people from getting burned I also have when I started with the inquiry when we start charging it's only going to be nineteen dollars for okay. a full and we we don't ask for any personal information from our customer except their name and their email so that we can um, send the information back. For the inquiry, we ask for the person that they're in contact with, for the property address and the email and the um, phone number so that we can check that for them. We had a situation because I'm also listing verified a fireball approved property owners on our website. So I found that that is something that property owners say, hey, I am the real deal and I want your seal of approval. So we've been doing that as well. We had one that evidently did not realize what we were doing, that he applied for our approval, and you're going to think this is funny. Um, he had a copy of the owner. He was, supposed, he was supposed to be the registered agent to rent this property. It was a vacation rental. Mm-hmm. Um, the passport was from Switzerland. We located the owner in Switzerland, and the owner said, um, he was a previous employee of mine. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so try to come to us to get our approval. I th- this is what I'm saying. I don't know how people come up with these ideas. I know. I just it had to it, it, um, and, and do you think with, you know, I guess with the, the cyber, you know, the web, that it makes yeah. it more difficult? It does make it more difficult. Well, it makes it more difficult in my in my eyes as far as enforcing the crime. Now, I did go to the FBI, and I said, you know what, I've got this business, and I feel like I have a duty to report when I find out that it is a dishonest listing. Because by the time I get to it, how many people have they actually swindled? Right. And so they gave me the web address to report all of the findings that I get on the um the ones that definitely don't match up. That is amazing. So I am keeping my customers from getting burned, and then I'm trying to help the government too. To, because as soon as you shut one down, there's 10 more in its place. Right, right. And if there's, you know, if there's no accountability, you know, they uh-huh. continue to, to do it. But you, you're hooked up with the FBI. I mean, you can't get more serious. I'm not playing than that. around. <laughs> you can't get more serious than that. No, no kidding. You can't, can you? That is amazing. And that's why I wanted to, to talk to you because I see the logo and I'm like, well, what is this fireball about? And, you know, we, we had our little chatting on, on LinkedIn and yeah. I was like, approved is you know you you get the fireball but i think right. when you see the word approved you right. feel you start you just feel safer well that's that's what i was trying to convey mhm right you definitely feel safer because you're think, because you can go and look up anything yourself but you never really know if you're not a professional exactly and then in addition to that what 
keeping the dishonest people from also looking that up and posing as that person. Exactly. And you'll see the picture, you know, because everyone, you know, you want to go on a great vacation or, uh, and you look at the pictures and you go, wow, that's a great pop property. I think that's the one I want to go with. And, but. and then something else, you know, something, some people never get, you know, the warning signs. Exactly. And uh, in yeah. addition, with the long-term rentals, we had a situation where it was also a single mother. And, of course, my heart bleeds for single mothers. She was looking for a rental. It's only like um, one town over. Do you know that the house that she was inquiring of was a foreclosed home and the advertiser had nothing to do with that home? That is amazing. Yeah, not on my watch. Yeah, not on your watch. And that's the thing. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you have someone, you know, whether it's an elderly person or, you know, a single mom, you just hate for them to have to go through something like that because that absolutely. adds more stress. That's more stress. Oh, absolutely. No kidding. No one needs that. Who needs that hassle? And why are these people getting away with it? That's that's. Uh, <laughs> It was an area that needed a solution, and that's what I came up with. And that's a great solution. Now, are you able to to tell us um, what? Well, I guess if if it goes, you know, to the government, then they they obviously do do their own research and, and all of that. Yeah. But are you able to to tell us some of the? I know we want to look for those warning those warning signs. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but can you tell us if if it does happen and let's say it's a you know, it's a site and it's up and down within a within a quickness. But what happens right. if you're in the middle of that site going up and then coming down? Well, if you are in touch like I said, if you're in touch with a dishonest person, they're gonna have a million and one reasons why they can't meet you in person. Okay. And they're gonna say, Send me the deposit, send me the first month rent and I will send you the keys. Well that's your red flag right there. Mm-hmm. Do not send money to someone you don't know personally. I had a, um elementary school friend of mine that when I started this, I actually launched services August 1st of last year. And when I was advertising on Facebook, she contacted me and she said that her daughter um, accepted a transfer to from Florida to California and had wired the money. And she got out there knocked on the door, and the person said, hey, I'm renting this place. And she wasn't even in contact with the owner. And do you know, because she wired the money, there was no recourse. Now, back to the vacation rental um, that opened my eyes as to this huge problem, when I pulled back and I said, you know what, too many red flags, there's nothing telling me that I'm dealing with the owner. Well, this person, he says, I tell you what, I've rented this home before. I'll rent it again. Um, So he was really putting the pressure on me, like I've got someone else interested, but um, I was working with you longer. Are, Are you interested? And that's when I said, you know what, I just can't take that chance. I can't be stuck in Key West with my four grandchildren and the rest of my family. So he says, I'll tell you what, I'll send you references. And I could not believe that he did this. He sent me invoices just like he made up for me. There was three of them. And it didn't have the phone number, so I Googled, and I found the phone numbers. And I talked to a victim in Chicago. And she said, I can't believe that he gave me as a reference. She said, my husband and I flew down from Chicago over New Year's Eve weekend. And there was already someone there. It was a total, total, you know, they they were out. So I asked her, um, if you use PayPal and you use your credit card, which was what I was thinking that I would be covered, right? 
uh-huh. if it's not the real deal. She said, you know what? It took her six months to get the refund from her credit card issuer because they considered that person to person. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know how many people, I mean, that would have been a big chunk that I wouldn't have, you know, been able to absorb for six months until I got the money back. I don't know a lot of people that could could handle that. And Tammy, do you think because uh, sometimes people are putting the pressure on you and it's because it's something that you really want that you just kind of overlook it because if someone makes it seem like, well, you know, this is life or death, either you're going to do it or you're not because there's so many other people that want to do it. Do you think we just kind of cave into that kind of pressure? You hit the nail on the head. They put on the pressure. Now, like I said, I'm an insurance professional, so we are cynical by nature. (laughs) (laughs) We're not very trusting. And even my husband and I, when we were going through this process, we're looking at each other going, oh, my gosh, what if it really is an awesome deal? And we're missing out because, you know, we're so cynical. Right. So if we felt that way, I know that others feel that way. And another um, psychology is a lot of people don't talk about the experience because they're embarrassed. Like the one I told you about her daughter. Her daughter will not talk about it because she is that embarrassed. So we really don't know the extent of these type of crimes, how many they hit. or And when you think about it, if you use the credit, your credit card, you'll eventually get your money back. But at the end of the day, the credit cards are paying for these frauds. Right. And that's what I'm hoping to put a dent in. And you, and you, I mean, you just said a, a something, you know, really great is that people are embarrassed because who wants to say, okay, I've been, you know, I've been swindled. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which, so I hope no one else, every time I read a story, you know, now they're even, I saw some news programs um, mm-hmm. that people are going by, um, like foreclosed homes, changing the lock and meeting people at the location. And then the bank shows up and says, I don't know who you paid money to, but we own this home, so you need to go. I don't even understand. I don't understand What red flag would be there for them without someone like me? That is, and you know what, I don't think I've heard of anyone doing your your type of work, you, you, you know, you go on uh, online and you go, well, I think I'm going to verify this for myself, or you go right. word of mouth or you see yes. a, great, a great picture and, you know, I don't know any other company that's really dedicated to that unless you're like the FBI or you. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And oftentimes it's over state lines. So even though the actual swindling, you know, they were advertising a St. Augustine, um, one of the properties, in fact, the very first radio show I was on, a couple months later, the owner of the radio show called me and she says, my daughter is moving back from Georgia. So there was an ad that she replied to and I've got some um, red flags, can you check it out? We had that checked out, and we were in contact with the property manager within like 10 to 15 minutes. And sure enough, the property manager even talked about, she says, we know about that listing. We've tried to get Craigslist to take it down. So what she does, and not everyone looks at this, but she knew that there was the wrong listing out there So she went ahead and put up the correct listing, you know, to try to cause doubt. Well, luckily, the uh, prospective renter, her mom knew about me, so we were able to confirm that. Because oftentimes, they already know, you know, if it's too good, it's too good to be true, you know. But then you think, well, you know, what if? 
well, we can be that assurance of the what if. Right. And can you give us um, just a little hint on the, the new direction that you're going into? Well, like I said, I want to definitely attack the online um, jobs that list that they list. And what they do is they'll say it's a virtual job. So you're going you're gonna to be performing some type of duty at home. And when they sign you up, they ask for your driver's license. They ask for your social security number. There was no job, and then your identity is stolen. Can you believe that? Yeah, and that is the biggest thing because once your identity has been stolen, it takes, you know, from, under, under, from what I understand, it just takes forever to yeah. get your, you know, your your name and your information back in order. Oh, yes, if you ever do, really, when you think about it. Can you imagine the hassle? I cannot. I mean, you think about all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you know where I get these ideas? My customers. So many times, my heart breaks, but so many times people will say, wow, I wish I would have known about you. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known before I had sent the money or now I don't have any money for rent because I sent it to someone and they weren't the owner. And that's what I'm fighting. That's my passion. And it it works because that is your passion. Yes. I mean, that's a big passion to have to do or want to do that kind of work. That is a lot. True. Of so true. But it is very, very fulfilling. And you know what's even really fulfilling, too, is being able to tell someone, yes, that does check out. Right. That's a good feeling. You know, when someone's looking for a car and it's like, yes, everything did check out. And that excites me as well because there was a time there where I thought there are no honest people on the Internet. (laughs) 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 But there is, so I'm facilitating honest transactions, and that, that is such a good feeling. That has to be. That has to be because, like you said, you know, your heart breaks if um, if something is is on the up and up, and it's just right. to me with the, the the virtual and the cyber uh, world that we live in that people still get swindled because you see Thank it on you. The, you see it on the news every day. You sure do. You are not kidding, and they're getting craftier and craftier. And someone asked me one time, well, how are you going to keep up? And I explained, my customers tell me. Right. You know, you have to you have to be able to think, well, how do other people think on circumventing the system? But also, I find out firsthand. Right. And that's, that's the, the beauty of it. Because yeah. you can stay ahead of the game because you've talked to so many people that you have, you know, you know exactly what to look for. And, you know, if there's going to be a new game. And they'll come up with something, I'm sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just how we live today. Someone is coming up with a wicked idea. Right. All the time. Yes, they are. If they get away with it, then they just continue to do it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. What's the recourse for them? Right. They hide behind a computer. Right. So I'm definitely hoping that my information will help catch them faster. Well, the good thing, though, with your your, uh, fireball, now I go fireball works with the FBI. I'm like, okay, I know that's true. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Of course, when I went in there, I said, you know, I definitely have to make sure that everything um, shows a P.O. box because I definitely don't want someone coming after me. <laughs> because and that's the FBI said, yeah, you, you better make sure that you do that. Right, because <laughs> that <laughs> definitely happened. Oh, my oh. goodness. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you for being on the show tonight. It's really, you've really been a pleasure and a joy. Uh, give oh. everyone your contact information. Yes, anyone can find us at fireballapproved.com. 
We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You found me, Tammy Sorrento, on LinkedIn. And um, we have a Facebook page, Fireball Approved. And my biggest challenge is since no one, well, uh, because this is a new product, no one knows to look for us. So that's my challenge is to get the word out because the more people that know, the more people won't get burned. That is, that's the last word. I love that. The more you know, the more you won't get burned. That's, that's exactly. Anyone that sees that logo, they're like, okay, this is this is serious. Yes, yes, that definitely describes me. And I've been asked before, why Fireball? Well, I am Fireball. <laughs> Hear it in your voice. Well, thank you. I, I think there's a need for it. Yes, you do. Well, thank you, Tammy, so much. And thank I, you. I want to thank those that have tuned in to listen to the show this this evening. Thank you. As I mentioned before, that talk show is live and recorded. So please go back to talk show in about 15 minutes and share the show with your with your network and. Uh, Tammy is doing some great work, and we definitely want to pass the word about uh, Fireball Approved. Uh, Tammy, hang, hang on for a second. So okay. Thank you, everyone, and have a fabulous week.